The U.S. economy throws one big last gigantic summer services and inventory party just before the fall, well, fall. We've seen this disinflationary trend all throughout the global economy. Big downturn, recession scare, actual recessions in some part of the world last year and to start this year. Then disinflation sets in and it sets off a wave of positivity and some optimism, even enough to cover up the banking crisis that showed up seemingly out of nowhere. But disinflation, that only lasted until summertime. And then the summertime swoon began to set in around July and August and into September and especially October. But the U.S. is coming up behind everyone else around the rest of the world. And the U.S. is looking at the absolute apex of the disinflationary trend with its third quarter 2023 GDP. The number came in at 4.76%. That's the continuously compounded annual rate. That's much faster than the 2.04% quarter over quarter in the second quarter. And one of the major reasons why was personal consumptions. Americans spent a lot on, well, some goods, recreational vehicles in particular, but mainly services along with inventories that were built up by especially retailers. PCE rose at a 4.0% quarter over quarter annual rate in the third quarter. That's way up from 0.8% in the second quarter. Services spending, as I just mentioned, 3.6% annual rate in the third quarter, much faster than the 1.0% annual rate in the second quarter. And that was the best one since the third quarter of 2021. But the U.S. economy does that. It goes back and forth, especially consumer spending in these short run patterns. And we just happened to catch a good one with disinflation. So you would expect with these magic numbers, with these massive numbers, that markets are all alight. The bond market is blowing up because higher for longer, more inflation, big time boom is going to require Federal Reserve to come in and stamp it out with massive rate hikes that are going to, going to last until 2035 or something. But collectively, the market reaction to the U.S. GDP number was, yeah, we knew this was coming and it's not a big deal. We're more worried about the next several months are going to look like rather than what the last three months of this disinflation party have been. We look around the marketplace, starting with U.S. Treasuries. Again, the two-year Treasury note stapled almost to 5% rate. 5.06% as I'm speaking right now. Even the 10-year down on the day to 4.89%. Uh, what is it? Bill Ackman tweeted out the other day when he closed his bond short. The economy is slowing faster than recent data suggests. That seems to be the market opinion that we see throughout the statistics, throughout the prices, throughout the trading sessions today. Crude oil, a big one. Despite the geopolitical concerns, Crude is back down under $84 per barrel. And more importantly, I think, the crude curve, the WTI futures curve, continues to flatten out. We had massive amounts of backwardation back on September 27th when it was all about supply, supply, supply. We got that initial oil sell-off in early October. Then the Middle East conflict kind of scrambled everything. But despite the geopolitical premium, oil prices are volatile back and forth in the mid-80s. But more importantly, as I just said, the futures curve is flattened out. The one month spread in crude just 70 cents. That's down from $1.40 as recently as the 16th of October. It had been $1.80 on the 3rd and $2.38 back in, on September 27th at the most. The three month calendar spread in WTI, which is a big one, only $2.16 today. That's down from $2.43 yesterday. It had been $3.80 on October 13th. 
475 on October 9th and 626 on the 27th. So despite what you would think a booming U.S. economy would do to crude oil demand, especially gasoline demand, prices are reacting more about forward-looking demand concerns. And just a final note on markets, gasoline prices 227 wholesale continuing to hold at low levels after the big sell-off following the 27th, suggesting that demand in the U.S. economy moving out of summer into fall has actually fallen. So we got the rest of the GDP details. We got more forward-looking indicators, especially as they relate to services. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Eurodollar University, we offer research subscriptions and memberships. The memberships are the background details on the Eurodollar system. Research subscriptions. Research subscriptions, we have a daily briefing where we go over the day's biggest macroeconomic news, the big, biggest changes in markets and curves. And I also do a daily deep dive analysis where we dive deeper into all of these macro and money topics. And the macro stuff, we look at them through the lens and the filter of the Eurodollar system. What research subscriptions and memberships, all of that available at our website, eurodollar.university. So despite the blowout quarter in U.S. GDP, which wasn't really a surprise, we've seen a lot of rebounding stuff. As I said, the, the disinflationary pattern has gone global. The U.S. economy is just bringing up the rear with all of it. So third quarter GDP caught the best part, the absolute apex of the disinflation trend. And it's reflected in a lot of the statistics, starting with inventories. Despite the inventory cycle being on a down cycle, there are fluctuations in it too. And according to the GDP numbers for the third quarter, inventories rebounded relatively sharply. In real terms, they were up 80.6 billion. That was after rising 14.9 billion in the second quarter and up 27.2 billion in the first quarter. But the way GDP accounts for inventories, it's all about second derivatives. So where the first quarter, even though inventories rose, that was at a much smaller rate than in the fourth quarter, Inventory subtracted more than two points off of GDP in the first quarter of this year. In the second quarter, GDP contributed absolutely nothing, didn't add anything, didn't subtract anything, even though inventories were growing at a small rate. But going from a small rate to a relatively large rate in the third quarter, that adds 1.32 points to the third quarter, 4.90%. So a big chunk in inventory, which... That's not necessarily a good thing either because it means that companies, retailers in particular, didn't sell everything that maybe they were hoping to sell. The overall contribution, so I just said 1.32 points from inventory. Look at some of the other numbers. PCE or personal consumption expenditures, those added 2.7 of the 4.9, so the vast majority coming from consumers who were spending on a, on a couple different things. Goods added 1.08 points, which is a huge increase compared to the just 0.11 points that goods added in the second quarter. A big one though, services. Services contributed 1.62 points to the 4.9 overall. So a third of the GDP rate uh, came from services. That's up substantially from the 0.44 points that were contributed in the second quarter. A big jump in housing and utility services, nearly 1.6 just with that one. Food and accommodation, Americans went out and spent in on food services, apparently. Uh, 0.27 points in the third quarter, that was fractionally negative in the second quarter. Other services went from 
swung from a small negative to a small positive. That added three-tenths of a percent in the latest quarter, too. As I said, inventories, the non-farm inventories in particular, that was 1.28 points compared to a minus 0.14 points in the second quarter. So services, some goods, a lot of that was motor vehicles and recreational vehicles, but really services from consumers. Uh, exports were flat. The exports rebounded. Imports rebounded about the same rate. So there was no real contribution from exports and imports. Governments added about eight-tenths of a percent. And one cautionary note in the GDP statistics themselves, real private fixed investment or capital expenditures were fractionally negative in the third quarter, suggesting that the credit crunch that we see in commercial industrial loans, as well as maybe some general pessimism from the business sector overall, despite the disinflationary boomlet in consumer spending, maybe that had an impact in capital expenditures in the third quarter. We'll see if that continues in the fourth quarter. With all of that temporary disinflation stuff, um, it didn't make much of a difference in terms of prices because it wasn't widespread. It was more narrowly focused. It wasn't the same sort of supply shock effect that we got in 2021 and 2022. There was a modest acceleration in some prices, but they were still well within the recent 2023 disinflationary trend. The GDP deflator rose at a 2.9% annual rate, that's quarter over quarter, in the third quarter, only slightly faster than the 2.5% in the second quarter, and nowhere near the first quarter's 4.2, which was the same as the fourth quarter's 4.2, and it had been 4.7% annual rate going back to the third quarter of last year. So the, the deflator continues to slow down, even if we have uh, quarterly fluctuations along the way. Services prices, which have been among the more quickening prices, the ones that continue to move at a, at a relatively rapid rate, uh, that was still just 4.0% quarter over quarter. That's still high, but not nothing like the 6% rate in the first quarter of this year and the 6.3% rate in the fourth quarter of last year. So even though services prices like the overall deflator quickened a little bit in the third quarter, it wasn't as much as you might expect given the overall GDP figures look look really good on the surface. So again, not the same sort of broad-based increase, more the same disinflationary trend with this quarterly fluctuation. Goods prices continue to show this disinflation trend, maybe the best out of anything right now. In the third quarter, the goods deflator was up just 0.8%. Again, that's an annual rate, so less than 1% annual rate. That follows 0.2% in the second quarter, 0.7% in the first quarter, and 0.1% last year in its fourth quarter. So ever since the fourth quarter of last year, goods consumer price increases have been kept to a minimum. That's the inventory cycle. Even though inventories increased in the third quarter, it's not enough to suggest that demand has returned that gives pricing power back to producers and retailers and wholesalers. Instead, this is one sign that the increase in inventory may have been unwanted to a degree, that it wasn't, companies were expecting a disinflationary trend to be better than it actually was. And that could potentially lead to problems starting in the fourth quarter and moving forward. So we have a lot on services. We have a lot on inventories. And if that's the case, and it appears to be the case in GDP, 
then the markets and their caution and their skepticism about the third quarter's economic situation would be, appear to be well-founded because when you look at other forward-looking numbers, especially as they relate to services, you can see why there's more concern than would be maybe normally associated with a nearly 5% quarter in the United States. And again, this is a global economy, so we get a glimpse of our future in the rolling over systems across the rest of the world, problems in China, Europe, and now all that stuff that we've been talking about. But specifically the United States and services, again, we talked about a couple days ago, S&P Global's PMI looking forward. Um, that one really does show the disinflationary trend from a forward-looking perspective. You look at S&P Global's services PMI, that fell to a real, really bad low of 44.4 last December, suggesting the economy is really slowing down, recession scare, all that. And then the disinflation set in the early part of this year. And what happened? The PMI rebounded up to around 54 through June of this year. But then summertime, it began to slow down. August, we went below almost to 50 September still near 50, October 50.9, but still under 51. So August, September, and October, according to S&P Global Services, relatively weak period. And if they're forward-looking, again, that means that the swoon, the autumn swoon, is just now starting to show up in statistics that we'll get only a couple months down the road. So GDP backward-looking, back-loaded in the thick of the disinflationary party, forward-looking, services look like they're getting weak. And that notion is reinforced by a couple of Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve Regional Services Survey, starting with the one in New York, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's services PMI. That one, again, same general pattern. That was minus 21.4 to start this year in January, and it began to rebound with a dis disinflationary trend, got all the way to zero in July, and a very fractionally positive in August, 0 0.6. But then September, we're rolling over minus three in September, and this new reading for October, minus 19.1. So a sharp decline in October, and that's the eerie feeling that we get across the marketplace that was consistent with gasoline prices falling off sharply, maybe something going on in terms of demand for gasoline as well as services. And it wasn't just the New York Fed. Yesterday, the Richmond Fed released its statistics on the services economy in the mid-Atlantic states. Again, same general pattern. It was a little bit, a little bit lagging to New York and S&P Global, but reached the bottom around minus 17 in March, was minus 21 in April, then the disinflationary boomlet, got to plus four in August, stayed at plus four in September, but all of a sudden a 15 point drop in October. So there's another one suggesting services really fell off this month. And another warning sign that we see from the labor market itself, forward-looking, jobless claims. Initial claims continue to be low, though they look like they might be hitting a bottom here. They ticked up to 210,000 in the latest week. That's last week. It was up from 200,000 revised the week before. So initial claims continue to be very tame, but continued claims, those went up, those went up sharply. 1.79 million in the week before last. So the continued Continued claims are one week further behind. 1.79 million, that's up sharply from 1.73 million at the start of October. So 
again, this, this idea that the economy is rolling over and getting weaker as, as summer turns to autumn. And the issue with continued claims is it suggests that those who have already been laid off are having more difficulty finding work, which then suggests that the rate of hiring, the rate of employment, hours, all that stuff, maybe the employment market is actually slowing down all over again because you do see the disinflationary trend with a lag in continued and initial claims too. They got worse through the middle part of this year and then lagging the disinflationary boom. They got much better through the summertime and then lagging the rollover in the summer into the fall. We start to see jobless claims deteriorate all over again. So the market reaction to the GDP numbers was essentially no reaction at all because I hate to say it, it's old news. We see the disinflationary pattern, which GDP has captured only too well. We'll see with GDI next month with the revisions to GDP, what GDI looks at as far as the economy goes. But we have this disinflationary trend that is corroborated all around the world and the markets are looking at it and saying, moving forward will look nothing like the third quarter in the US. In fact, we already see that in Europe getting worse into recession, China having enormous amounts of problems, Xi Jinping visiting the PBOC, that's not a good sign. So the global economy is full of risks and to think that the U.S. is going to decouple and continue on into its soft landing, well, that's why you realize it was nothing more than the disinflationary boomlet and the absolute top in it. Moving forward, we've got lots and lots of concerns to worry about. And again, that's why markets are behaving the way they are today and the way they have been all throughout the fall. I just did a video a couple days ago about these forward-looking PMIs, looking all around the world and looking at a lot of trouble coming our way. And you can check that out at the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see over here. And until next time, take care.